Just don't F me up. Uh, thanks for checking out Just Don't F Them Up podcast. Um, before you start this episode, we just wanted to give you a little heads up that there are some portions that have a little bit of feedback. We did our best to edit it out and uh, muffle it, but you're going to hear portions of the audio that sound like you're getting feedback. It's not your headphones. It's the audio. It will be brief and it's kind of on and off throughout the episode. If it bugs you too much, skip ahead. But we feel very uh, strongly that what Ira and Carolyn have to say is important, and we still wanted to submit this to you guys. Just don't F me up. Welcome to the shit show. Thanks for joining us on Just Don't F Them Up, a podcast by two moms who have no idea what they're doing, but are trying really, really, really hard. Really hard. hard. It's so hard that we made a podcast so we can learn from our fellow colleagues, our fellow parents. Experts. experts. We need help. We need all the help we can get. Everything hurts when I'm dying. (laughs) We are joined by Ira and Carolyn, and they work at Evolve Clinic in Plymouth, Minnesota. We are super lucky to have them because they're both highly educated, highly trained in a variety of trauma-informed methods. They work with kids and parents, so family system, and we are super excited to learn more from them today. So uh, let's just have you guys kind of introduce yourselves. I suppose I'll go first. I do go by Ira, but my name is Ira, actually, so Ira no, no worries, because it's I. It makes totally a lot of sense. Um, Ira Shai again, work at Plymouth um, at Evolve Clinic with Carolyn. Um, I do couples therapy and individual family therapy. Family therapy, both adults and children, their children, and or adult children uh, with their adult parents. Um, I primarily use um, EFFT for those, um, which is emotion-focused family therapy. Um, or NARM, which is Neuroaffective Relational Model, as well as CI, which is Compassionate Inquiry, that was developed by Gabor Matei. So, but also sometimes I use the mixed bags bag. So I kind of like go in and see what I take out, and I'll just use it, right? Um, whatever kind of works in the moment, right? I'm not um, like religiously following one model, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever helps me regulate myself, that's what I use in the moment, right? I because love, I don't, I, I don't know if my clients are like, hmm, Ira, this was not very much of EFFT. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, oh, and I have children too. I have a 12, almost 12 years old daughter uh, who does not see me as an expert in any area of my life. Like sure. I'm at the totem pole on anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I have a son who is going to be 10 this December who still sees me as a lovely individual about 50% of the time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, half. Half, yes. half. Half is good. Half yes. is good. I feel yeah. like that's more than probably all my kids put together. So. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm like in the sweet spot right now. <laughs> yeah. People say that I'll get there. I don't know that I necessarily believe that right now. I've got like the, the blinders on, but you know someday yeah someday they'll be adults and then we can go to adult 
we can come see you. I can yes. bring my adult children and my adult self to therapy to work out, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that. that's right. Yep. Beautiful. No diaper bag, nothing. Way easier. <laughs> Whoa. Just leave the house. You don't have to bring snacks or water bottles or right. milk yes. or a diaper or extra clothes. Wow. Yeah. You don't have to check to make sure everybody has shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yes. Wow. Yes, for the most part. Correct. Yes. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my boys could we could be in a situation when they're older where they show up somewhere without shoes. So yeah. 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 Own thing. <laughs> it's good for grounding, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, great, Reef. You're a therapist. That's a re- that's a reach of a grounding. The <laughs> <laughs> reframe if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Um, I guess I'll introduce myself. I'm Carolyn. I work at Evolve Therapy as well. Um, I work with families and couples and individuals. And my model is EFFT, EFT, and EFIT. Um, so, and I mostly work with, again, like ERA, 10 and up. Um, when I work with families, I love working with teens. I have teens myself. So I have a 15, 17, and 19-year-old. Um There's actually, there's a study that was put out that they said um, raising teens is just as stressful as having a newborn. Oh Um, my God. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But it's a lot, it's a lot of fun too. We might edit that part out because of the sheer fear factor. (laughs) You guys, your faces were both like... Uh, I should have started with I'm super sarcastic. (laughs) I can so believe though that teenagers would be in some ways, I feel like they're harder than little kids because the challenge, what I've heard and what I've talked to, just like other parents and family members, is like it changes from a physical challenge with little kids, like physically chasing them around and holding them and changing them and to like all mental where are you what are you doing are you telling the truth what are you getting into who are your friends are they a good influence are you at school are you not at school are you failing school are you passing like it's yeah absolutely absolutely and that's kind of what um we work on with families is trying to open that communication um trying to for the the child to be able to come to the parent because so many teens are um, what I hear from them is, I don't want to tell my mom or dad because um, I don't want to put it on them. I don't want to upset them. I don't. I, I don't want to stress them out. I don't want to be a burden. So it's so interesting that they say that. Um, and a lot of times they're like, "No, don't bring my parents in." And I really think that's like the best possible thing we could do is bring the parents in. Um, but they're just so. Um, so we have to. I have to work with them, and they have to build trust with me before we can kind of okay, now I'm ready. Now I can trust that maybe if I don't feel like maybe my parent can't catch me emotionally, that I, at least I, they know I'll, I'll catch them emotionally. Because oh, as you're talking about this, I'm like, okay, how can we then as parents <clears throat> try to be developing the trust and the openness just from like, because, like, where I'm sitting, my kids are young. So mm-hmm. can are there seeds I can be planting for them to be able to talk to me and for us to have that, like, openness so they don't feel like 
I don't want to tell my mom. I don't want to have my mom come in. I don't, I'm afraid to whatever, like, help me. What can we do? (laughs) Well, I think there's the, um, you know, validating their emotions when they're young, right? I'm sure you guys are already doing that. That's planting the seeds. Um, And there's, there's this EFFT that was a script builder for parents by Dr. LaFrance. And she kind of walks through it and it's this like step one, validate, um, step two, um, demonstrate that you understand them and you know how they're feeling. And, you know, I get why you're upset right now. Um, it makes sense why you're upset right now. Um, but you still can't punch a hole in the mouth. Um, you know, so it's, and that's, I think that's the piece like nowadays that a lot of parents get confused with. Um, they think that validating means that they can, their child can still do all of like, you know, they can still punch a, wall, a hole in the wall. Um, oh, it's okay. I understand why you're angry. It's a little bit confusing because it's letting them know that, okay, yes, I understand you're angry. I get it. And there's consequences if you punch a hole in the wall. Mm. So that actually is planting little seeds that when they're older, they can, um, it, it creates the safety so that they feel like they can, okay, I'm angry. I can talk to mom about it. Um and I think there's a balance too with volition of like um, being able to uh, to kind of foster that volition within the child, knowing that um, like I want you to make your choice. Um, I want you to be able to choose, um, and I'm here to guide you. Yeah, I like that. Like creating autonomy then, but also showing them that you're supporting them, showing them that you're still there for them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Autonomy with bumpers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Autonomy yeah. with bumpers. <laughs> you can do yeah. It's like trusting the child that they will, like they can make the right choice. They want to make the right choice. They actually desire to, mm-hmm. um, and trusting that. Be- and then, um, it helps them know that as they grow older, um, oh, I, I am capable. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of creates also a pet, like, um, teaches them to be able to make choices. Um, instead of just kind of allowing life to drag them along, they stop and they think about it and they're more intentional um, to make a choice. So you're kind of developing that within themselves, like within them to be able to, um, yeah, again, not just kind of be dragged around. I'm going to also piggyback a little bit on what Carolyn was talking about uh, previously, and then I'll add a piece about communication mm-hmm. um, because um, we, um, I, I just really love what you brought Carolyn about the, and I think Miranda, you shared kind of the, the bumpers here, right? Because the, one of the parental jobs, because it is partially a job, right? Is that to create an environment where the kid does not have to worry about the environment. And that's partly setting boundaries and consequences, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's so expansive and open, it's actually overwhelming for a kid, right? If it's too rigid, right? It's harmful. And if it's too expansive, it's harmful too. So having some of those bumpers, right, is the protection of a kid, right? Because when there's an environmental or attachment failure, right, then the kid pays too much attention to the environment. Hence what you've shared, Carolyn, I don't think my parents can hold it, right? I think they're going to be upset. Don't tell my mom, right? Don't let them in, right? Whereas the parent models like, hey, you did that. I don't like it. 
and I'm okay. I don't like it. I don't have to like it to, for you to be okay, right? So we're kind of holding these boundaries. So then the, the child doesn't have to pay attention vigilantly to the environment. Then we can go internal. What's happening on the inside of you? Then we actually make space for the personhood of a child. Otherwise, just dealing with consequences and an environment, right? Then the arguments or the conflicts are usually about external things versus going inside internal of the, of the child, which is what regulation is, right? So the parent is responsible for managing the environment, right? So we get to say, hey, no punching of the walls or however you want to phrase that, right? Because mm -hmm. some people can say, I, I really get why you punched the wall. You must mm -hmm. have been really angry. Something must have been really going on for you. That emotion must have been so big. You wanted to get it out. I get that, right? And I still don't appreciate it. Let's figure out a different way or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's the part that I want to echo from Carolyn. Like we parents, uh, the best we can do with managing the environment, sometimes the best we can do is not much, but we're still responsible for that part, right? And sometimes we F it up, right? And then we're like, oops, let me try this again, right? Because no parent is perfect, right? Perfect parents um, also F kids up, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like not, that. Not a good thing, right? No such thing and not a good thing if there is such thing, right? Yeah. And so um, the other part in terms of communication, and Carolyn, you you will piggyback after me because I'll add something. Well, can, can I add something yeah. a little bit with that? Because um, like the perfect parent, then it's not modeling how to walk through um, our mistakes. So then the child doesn't have the tools to know how to, okay, when I fall down, when I hurt myself, I don't know how to then manage that because it was never modeled for me. So if you have the perfect parent, that's kind of, um, it's actually really good not to be a perfect parent and really um, calm about like I screwed up and I get it. And this is how I like and I'm OK to be able to say I'm sorry I messed up um, and and this is helping me grow as a person. So I love that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to get that tattooed on the body. <laughs> yes. You actually don't want to be a perfect parent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And prove because I have it on a tramp stamp. <laughs> But I think it's such a good reminder because perfect, like if we show that we're we're perfect and we don't make mistakes and we do this, like that sets that expectation for our kids then. And then yeah. and then what? Like they're not gonna be perfect, they're gonna mess up, they're gonna screw up, and then that's gonna create more shame and more embarrassment and closing off for them because making a mistake isn't normal for them and screwing up isn't normal. And, and like you were saying, Carolyn, you, then they don't know how to make a repair. They don't know how to, they don't have the skills to navigate through that because they've only seen someone who has it all together all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, perfect is right. It's kind of an interesting umbrella and underneath that is a shame. Mm -hmm. right? Oh yeah. Preach. Get into that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which is under ashamed is what disconnected. I'm disconnected from my whole self. And I'm certainly having a difficult time to connect to you vulnerably. And kids, they pick up on it. They pick up on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's ultimately disconnection, right? Because like when you have a house, if it's a perfect house, you're like, this is very lovely and pretty. I don't know how to live in it. 
right? It's so sterile in some ways, right? But when it's too disorganized, you also cannot live in it, right? Because you can't find your shit. But you have to keep a balance. And this this kind of brings it back to that question of how do we start planting seeds to have that openness with our children? This is this is a piece of how we do that um, because we're willing to go into our vulnerability and show our imperfection, um, which then makes them comfortable, more comfortable, and feel safer. Yeah. So I was thinking of another question as you guys were talking about that. Like, I've heard, seen, read a lot of conflicting information about parents, like sharing their feelings in a sense of like, when you do this, it makes me feel sad, or it makes me feel whatever, like, my kids are in this bad habit of when they get frustrated, they say, "Uh, blah, 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 dummy. And they call me a dummy. Like, I mean, this morning, it probably happened. I don't know, since five when I got up. 15 times like anytime they're frustrated and sometimes I'm like that makes me so sad when you tell me I'm dumb is that helpful or not because I've seen things that are like oh you shouldn't put your emotions on them in that way because that makes them responsible for how you're feeling and so if that's not a good way to do it how can we do it without putting it on them so my my first thought on that is um, like what is the parental intent? Why why would you not want your child to? Why do you want to teach them not to do that? Um, and it, it is kind of teaching them how to be in community and how to um, be able to be get along with other people. Um, and so then um, or you know so so it's it's kind of slowing them down because it sounds like they're very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of slowing them down like what is happening in the moment you're right there's so many different schools of thoughts right mm-hmm. and then one of the best advice that i've heard from i don't even know who but it was some sometime when my kids were little right there was one of the people at the hospital that said you just you kind of have to do what works for you because if it doesn't work for you you can have the best stuff on earth it's not going to work Right, it's just mm-hmm. not gonna work, right? And so the other part here, Miranda, that you've shared, um, there's kind of a little bit of a worry that you're putting something on your kids, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, from what I'm hearing, I'm not necessarily under hearing from you that you are putting to resolve or complete emotion on your kid, right? That would be different, right? When okay. I what I hear from you, you're like, hey, when you call me dummy, that hurts my feelings. I don't like it, right? Mm-hmm. It's completed, right? Yeah, and that's. That's actually, that's probably as much as what happens, right? Okay. Right. They may change their behavior. They may not change their behavior, right? But that was a completed, right, loop there, right? So when you do this, it hurts my feelings. I don't like when you do it. Please don't do it again. They may do it again. And this might be a different, uh, a, a different thing to deconstruct, right? But I, I wouldn't, I personally would not worry about that as you putting feelings or emotions on your kids. Right. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, And I love that era because there's that, um, like we only have to get it right. 25% of the time there was actually research that, that came out that we only have to get it right. 25% of the time. So yes. I know. Don't say that to Miranda. Why? Yes. So it's like, I'm doing a great job. I'm getting an A. 
yes. I'm getting an A for yeah. sure. Yeah. 25% and that is well, there's some caveats to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, the caveats. What are the caveats? <laughs> the caveats there is that you're correct, right? Um, we want to get it wrong a little bit because we want our kids to develop immunity where they can say, you know what? And my parents messed me up too. And look at me. I'm like, I recovered. Right. So it's a little bit of achievement. Right. Cause if you have this again, perfect parent that never messes up, the kids are like, I don't know what's wrong, but something is wrong. Right. They can't even name it. I had perfect childhood. Right. And they're not doing so well. Um, but with the 25% or one third, right. Kind of the data is between one third, 25%. The two thirds is that the two thirds, you try to repair it. You say, Ooh, I did wrong. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The rest of it is just what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so, the being able to be responsive, attuned, um, and engaged 25% of the time. So being able to be out of your own emotion and being able to really see your child's emotion 25% of the time. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of attunement, like what that means? It would depend on developmental stage, right? Because attunement to um, postnatal baby, right? Uh, infant is going to look very different as mm-hmm. uh, you guys know, especially you, Carolyn, a teenager, right? Because mm-hmm. the attunement early developmentally will be to cues, preverbal cues, skin on skin, right? A lot of skin regulation and attunement will be mom or dad, primary caregiver, right? Um, trying to discern between those, decipher those, and then acting accordingly, right? So attunement would be, oh, you cannot speak, but I'm going to look at you and I'm going to figure out what you need. I'm going to take that risk. If I mess it up, I mess it up. I'm going to try again. But uh, that that kind of what we call abstract attunement, right? You don't concretely tell me, right? But I want to get it right by you, right? Um, and uh, our biology is actually formulated in such ways that we we mothers often, because we are the most neurologically connected to our kids, those things do get online. Sometimes they don't get online because of different things, usually environmental failures for a mom too. When mom is overstressed, right? When there's an attachment system with the partner that's like riddled with cortisol, right? There's a lot of things that can get in the way of that. But usually we have something that kind of kicks up in us. They're like, oh, I think this is the cry. I'm going to give this a try, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be proverbial skin on skin, right? And then it's going to kind of develop into um I know so much about you that I think I know what that look is, right? That would be a bit of attunement. Even if I get it wrong, I still want to risk it and try to get it right by you. Whereas the concrete attunement would be more like, you know, your kid is like, I really like this phone that this other kid has, right? Or whatever they really want. And you listen enough and then you kind of get something for them that they want, right? Or you really know what their favorite food is. So when they have a bad day, you're like, hey, do you want to go get some burgers or something like that? That would be more concrete attunement, right? But it's paying attention where you know your person, right? Like you would know your partner. It's like you would know your kid. Oh, I think didn't get a nap. It's crabby, right? You want to go get a nap, right? Mm -hmm. So that would be what I would add to this, Carolyn. Yeah. And then I, um, so just to kind of add to all of that, um, to be able to validate and again, I'm, I'm big about validating emotions. I get why you're angry. Um, 
you didn't get what you wanted. Um, you really wanted that ice cream and it's really hard when you don't get that. Um, so I understand like, it's kind of this validation, um, piece. And, and the interesting thing is, is it doesn't always have to be done in the moment. Like I know that a lot of times kids will have temper tantrums and they'll have a meltdown and the parents like, I'm trying to validate like, and it's not working. And well, one also, um, like in that moment to start trying to do new skills is impossible. You cannot. Um, so to, to be able to, um, like ground and help your child, like learn how to ground before those really intense moments, um, is vitally important. But then afterwards to be able to tell them, like, I get it. You were in target and you were just done and I get it's hard. And I like it. So that's the attunement. Like it's okay. You're a kid this happens, you know, um, and, and to be able to just, just to tell them that feels, that, that feels good to even a, an adult when someone says, I get it. It's hard. I know your, your best self didn't show up and that's okay. Um, so I, I think, um, yeah, so there's that, that attunement with your child. I love that so much because I feel like I've fallen into the trap of like, in the moment trying to validate like I hear you you're really mad right now you're really mad and it's not been sinking in particular with one of my children but I think the coming back after is going to be the ticket with him of like he doesn't like it and he doesn't want to like sit down and talk he gets really irritated with me probably because I over talk to them because hello I'm a therapist and we're gonna talk about our feelings all the time but I think even just mentioning that like yeah you were really mad and like it that happens sometimes you know and just leaving it at that even but after validated after what like why don't I why didn't I think of that like <laughs> well, it's interesting too if, if you also ask them so what would you do different asking them like I'm kind of curious and sometimes they come up maybe they don't have like just a curiosity they might not have any answer they might be like I don't know um but then sometimes they actually do come up with um with things that they would do different um and it's interesting because kids will even say it well I think I was hungry you know like and you're really surprised you're like wow yeah that's uh, good awareness my gosh yeah, yeah I don't even know that sometimes yes yes mm -hmm. that wouldn't fly with my kids they don't have that awareness I hope they never hear this podcast but <laughs> yeah. no well, I have my nephew who came to me and he's like he's like auntie I am hungry and tired and I can't like he was just like I can't like I'm just I'm hungry and tired right now and I was like okay that's you know what I totally get it I'm making you some food and you just go lay on the couch so he's starting to um be able to um and he's five he was, oh. he's so it was it was pretty impressive but I think it's to do with his mom and how she, what she does and then also this the preschool he goes to they are really trying to foster that to be able to um be connected to your body and recognize and maybe and maybe he's just repeating at the same time but that's okay too um that his mom might tell him oh when you know you're tired and hungry um yeah but yeah, no I think it's good I feel like in my house tired is a dirty word they yeah. would 
be literally falling asleep. My middle one has a sleep disorder we've talked about on this podcast before. And he will be on the couch in the evening, like, can't physically keep his eyes open. And I'm like, bud, are you so tired? Do you want to just go to bed? No, I'm not tired. Mm -hmm. Nope, I'm not tired. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll wait three more minutes and you'll fall asleep and then I'll just carry you to your bed asleep. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how my two-year-old is right now. If she heard, hears the word blanky, stuffy, crib, upstairs, anything that reminds her of where she takes naps or sleep time, it's like, no, not nap. And then... Not tired. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, like, pass out on the stairs. Literally, she fell asleep on the stairs, like, with her head like this. Like, oh, you weren't tired. <laughs> You're not tired. You're... Yeah. You haven't slept in five weeks because you're going through just a sleep. Resting her eyes. Yeah. Just resting, yeah. Resting her eyes on the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's that's tough. Um I wanted to add about that part of, around uh, the anger, right? When we or kids protest, right? When there's that anger, and usually anger is acting in. So turning on inward, we can sometimes see those behaviors or acting out, turning on the environment, right? Acting out is usually better than acting in because acting in is is seeing oneself as bad, right? Mm. For having needs or for having unmet needs. Um, and it's any form of harm towards self. Sometimes it's visible, sometimes it's not so visible, right? But acting out would be, right, having a tantrum at Target, right? Kicking, screaming, maybe even reorganizing um, the, the shelves, right? Getting the food down, whatever the kids do. Sometimes even hitting um, the parent, right? Um, I... Uh, my kids definitely not all the time, but sometimes would hit. They would hit when they had so much emotion. They would just hit, and actually, that was very triggering to me. I did not like it, mm-hmm. um, and I suppressed my emotion those moments for better or for worse. Right, I just kind of suppressed that, um, and it didn't help. Right, it just happened. But now, what I know later when they're no longer hitting me, now I know this piece of information. Right, um, is that usually it's that that anger is the protest where they wanted something, right? That they ascribe the need to whatever thing they're seeing and not getting that, right? They're protesting that, right? Mm -hmm. And so with 10 year olds and up, right, there's um, their verbosity is very developed. So we can ask them to name a lot of things with small kids asking that question, it will be too nebulous for them. They wouldn't be able to really answer that. So usually what, at least from what my understanding is, right, touch can be very regulatory, right? So a person who is in anger or rage response, when they receive skin on skin pleasurable touch, it, it helps them soothe a little bit, right? Because we can't buy all the things that kids want to target, right? For better or for worse, right? You can just afford that. That's not much modeling around boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not much need with things, but there's something that, that the kid associated with that, right? And so with very little babies, right, up to like five, the touch is what regulates, right? Because mm-hmm. have pleasurable kind touch, uh, neurophysiologically, neurochemically, you cannot be in rage. One has to take precedence over the other one, right? What? Yes, yes. So when you regulate with pleasurable touch your kid, right, you kind of get to their level, you touch them, 
like you give them some pleasure on skin, but your, your hands regulate them or a hug, you hold them for some time. And sometimes that could be a little bit sturdier hold. Sometimes it's a little bit gentler hold. It regulates their system. Oh, but, mi gato. Mm -hmm. Wow, that like signal overrides. So it's like bottom up stuff where it's like that signal yeah. overrides the emotional dysregulation. And it sounds like, like they get connect to you. Yes. Yeah. Because zero to five is still very dependent on skin to skin, right? We're still very dependent nervous system to nervous system, right? Whereas the older we grow, right, the more neocortex to neocortex we can be, the more body to body we can be. But very little kids are very dependent on that skin on skin count, right? Wow. We're actually pretty much hungry society, if we think about it. I grew up in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine. So we're... We tolerate closeness way more, even with strangers. When I moved here, <clears throat> my friends told me, Ira, you have to keep people at like six inches or six feet. I can't remember. Six feet, it was COVID thing, right? Six inches apart, which was very culturally different because I can kind of like in Ukraine, you can be like in, in each other's face. It's very close, uh -huh. you know, us very close to strangers. So you get that tactile exposure. And in US, you don't get that as much because there are some cultural rules and norms around that. And it does fall out in our parenting, right? Do, do, some, do we actually touch our kids enough? And it's hard because mothers are usually more overtouched, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody's touching us all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I know <clears throat> sometimes, like, my four-year-old will come up and just, like, wrap around my leg and just, like, hang on to me. And sometimes I'm able to, like, stop what I'm doing and like give him that attention but other times I'm like you gotta get off me I need a minute like it just uh. mm -hmm. but it's a good reminder to like carve out the time to like give him that and we've been trying to do like different things before bed so like I've been rubbing their feet at night with this like lotion and he so cute so much he's like uh do this one again do this one again. Do yeah. this one again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. It's so soothing, right? It's so mm -hmm. pleasurable, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. In that, um, so so when that that just makes me think of um, like when he goes, that's wonderful. He goes and he grabs your leg, like mm -hmm. he is. Um, so a lot of times when we do an attachment history, we're assessing like as a child, if you reached out for comfort and then how, how your parent responded. Um, so even if in that moment you can't give them comfort, that's totally fine. You don't have to, right. But, but to be able to validate it, Oh honey, you, you want to hug, you want to be close to mom. Like that's the attunement. I see you, mm -hmm. you know, like giving him that. I get it. I get it. Um, peace. So that, that's just even wonderful. He's, he's reaching out for that closeness to you. So that's great. Yeah, he does that sometimes, and then other times he. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Different days, different needs, different preferences. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a there's the saying that um, a parent can have sort of two kinds of children. They can have children who want to be carried, and children who don't want to be carried anymore. So when the child comes to you and says, "Mom, Dad, I really want to be carried," right, and the parent responds, "Babe, but you can walk yourself," right? 
those parents will have kids who always wanted to be caring, right? And then the parent who responds, oh, of course, I love carrying you, right? The kid will be like, oh, I think I can walk myself, right? Or oh. they, they, they will be like a little bit and then they want to walk themselves, right? Because they met, they completed that need, right? Where somebody really enthusiastically wants to meet their needs. Because meeting a need, right? This is where it gets tricky. That twenty five percent is that you don't just meet a need; you really mean it. Like you really, uh, with that gusto, you're like, "I'm so excited to get to meet your needs." Right? That's what counts in those twenty five percent. Well, and it's interesting here because you're talking about how it creates autonomy. So yeah. how actually like to be able that security when you meet the need and the attachment um, need, then it creates more autonomy. And when we kind of block that then um, it's an insecure attachment, which then makes the child um, need like kind of they're, they're reaching out to kind of complete that that never mm. got completed. Mm. It makes so sense. makes sense then because it debunks that like age old, no, we have to teach them to be tough and we have to, no, they can walk. So they need to do that and they can do this. So they need to do that. It like, biologically we're not set up that way so that's mm -hmm. not going to work if you want autonomous children we need to meet their needs then like it's the opposite of what has been taught to people historically like do the opposite do what they're asking give them the hugs give them the snuggles lay with them in bed carry them and then when we do that their need is met and then they won't need that anymore they won't ask for that they won't require that they'll sort of grow out of it yeah right like this is so fascinating i'm also thinking about like being being careful not to do it like in a fake way like oh i love it when you grab poop out of your diaper and wipe it on the wall it is my favorite like that's not i don't want to create that either this is about like action completion, which I talk about all the time with my clients. And I can't believe I was not thinking about that with kids. It's the same, probably same neurological cognitive process of like, you get your need met. The action completion is that you met your need with self-care, boundary settings, emotional regulation, like whatever it is, except kids can't do it on their own. Mm -hmm. In adult therapy, we're teaching our clients to do it themselves. But they didn't get it met. Right. Every time, every time we have people on this podcast, I'm like, my mind is literally blown. Like I Yeah. Learn so much. Yeah. And it's also it's so validating to hear like the real like statistical, like the 25% or like the other two thirds is about repair, like keeping those things that feel so much more doable than like when I see stuff online about like uh, conscious parenting or about like gentle parenting and like some of the things that I see, I'm like, it just doesn't feel realistic for me. And then I get into this like freaking out about like, well, I can't do that. Like I have I work a lot and I have like all these other things I'm taking care of. And then I like go into this like shame spiral, but mm -hmm. hearing <laughs> that just like gives me hope of like, there yeah. is a realistic statistically proven, like maybe it's not as bad as I, it, like I'm not as bad as I think I am. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it makes it feel like like we are doing okay. Like what we're doing isn't we're not totally effing up our kids. Like mm-hmm. and that's not it's not as hard as it feels in some of the moments, right? Like it I I so get what you're saying, Mackenzie, with like some of the online stuff. It just feels like you have to be on your game all the time. You have to be validating them. You have to be attuned to them. You have to do this. You have to do this. And like it, the way that it's put out there is that the expectation is you're doing that all the time. And that I don't, I can't, I, I lose my shit. I say rude things back to them. I do Mm. things that are not helpful. I'm like, I need a break from you. You got to go away. Like you got to leave me. You know, I do that stuff fairly often because my kids are really intense. And like having this talk just makes it feel like, okay, then when that happens, I go back, I make the repair, I continue on the path of like meeting their needs and trying to complete the circuits and like doing the things, and it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and this. Yeah. When you're like to even be able to talk about um, like your heart is you really want to be a good parent. Mm-hmm. You don't want to F up your kids. You're like your desire. I, and, and um, you know, maybe not when they're young, but as they grow older for them to know that shows mm-hmm. them like we don't say those things out loud to them. I'm really trying to do the best I can as a parent because I love you so much. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, that, that kind of incorporates a little bit of the parental intent. Um, like I'm teaching you the things I'm teaching you because I love you and because I want to try to guide you so that you can um, kind of function in this society um, where you won't be hindered. Um, so it's just that parental intent so beautiful that we forget to tell our kids. Yeah, so explicitly of like, mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I love you more than... I can verbally communicate to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, this is not a punishment, right? This is mm-hmm. a, this I'm guiding you. I'm, I'm guiding you because I love you and I care about you. And then if they can, that, that actually builds trust as well. Mm-hmm. Um, to be, Oh, I can, I, I'm trusting my mom because I, I get it. I get that she is trying to guide me in life. And we don't mm-hmm. make that explicit enough. I think to kids. I do say it sometimes, but they don't believe me. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you guys, I'm not saying this just to like irritate you. I'm telling you this for a reason. Like, there's a reason I want you to wear shoes when you go outside when it's 42 degrees. Like, there is a reason for that. I'm not just trying to irritate you. I'm trying to keep you safe. I'm trying to keep your feet safe. Like, I don't want you to get hurt. And they're like, me. Yes. You know, it doesn't sink <laughs> it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to add something that might be a tad, maybe a tad contradictory to what we're saying. Maybe not, maybe mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes the good parents, the good kid, right? We have this idea that we have to be a good parent and we have this idea that we want to have a good kid. And we, we, we actually have those ideas of what a good kid is to us. Mm. And in those ideas, right? Sometimes we forget that our kid is already good. Having emotions is not being bad. Mm-hmm. Expressing emotion is not being bad. We don't necessarily always have to interfere 
right? They can have emotion, they can have a tantrum. This will end too, right? Nothing is forever. We don't always have to do something about it, right? We can just say, oh, yep, you're feeling angry. This is hard, Mm -hmm. right? And this is enough. We don't need necessarily to interfere and create this positive emotionality because negative emotionality is as viable for our survival as positive emotionality, right? So Mm -hmm. it's okay for them to be cranky or whatever, right? It's okay. Our teaching is that, oh, you're upset. Your emotion is not bigger than me. I don't need you to be in positive emotionality for the household to be okay. You can be cranky. I'll check in with you. What's going on? You're a little upset. Okay, yeah, you're a little upset, right? Because we wouldn't as adults want someone like policing our emotions. Are you happy? Why are you not happy? Why are you upset? (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) Yes. You wouldn't be helpful. This is actually not regulation, right? Not co-regulation, right? So... Something very true is actually true for kids, right? Mm. Is want to be seen, but they don't want to be talked out or talked in into something. The emotion is just the messenger, right? It just communicates that something is going on, right? The original stuff is the need. So we tend to the need, not necessarily just to, you know, undo or redo emotion into something else. Because I know for myself, right? I better know. Never going to be perfect, which is great because not, that's not what it's about, right? But I did have very low tolerance for my kids having negative emotions, right? It just settled with me, right? Like I wanted them to be okay and happy, right? And so when they would be distressed, I would run to the rescue, right? Just mm-hmm. meet their needs. fine. it was fine sometimes, but it wasn't fine sometimes because sometimes they just needed to be sad. It just needed to be upset, right? Or tired, or whatever that is, right? So it is okay to have um, negative, bad, quote unquote, right emotions. It is okay. Right? We're not doing anything wrong. It's just what it is. And we don't have to fix it. We don't have to. I love that reminder. Like, mm, yeah, you're really mad about this, mm-hmm. and we don't have to like. And like I go into explaining and the, okay, but that doesn't, we can't always have what we want and we blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't have to do that. I can just, yeah. Yeah. You're really mad about this. I get that. Right. And that's like, that's so much less work. Like, I think maybe for you and I, like we do so many behavior analysis, like at work, like constantly, like, why'd you do this behavior? Let's learn from it. What are you going to do next time? And I, I noticed that pressure with my kids of like, you're feeling something uncomfortable. I have to make it better right now. The only way we're going to do it is if we analyze it in the moment and mm-hmm. they don't want to do that. I don't really necessarily want to do that either. I just want to help them feel better. I just was not thinking about like, take your all logic brain and balance it. <laughs> balance it with like, what I like too is like, if somebody says like, oh, that sounds like it was hard. I would be sad too. I'd be like, thank yeah. you. Yes. And then I feel better. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And the physiological logic of emotion is that can you come into those trenches with me? When I'm sad, can you sit in that sadness with me for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Right. Because we sometimes do want to talk out. I know you want it, but we can't have it, right? And we kind of get lost in the in the linguistics of it. Right. And we, we actually disconnect from our kids. They can, they cannot keep up with us linguistically. This is not soothing to them. Right. The more we talk, the more we lose our kids. 
especially the little ones, right? 10 and up is a little bit different because they're a little bit more on par with us, still not on par, right? But below 10, it's like you lost your kid after first sentence. I mean, not necessarily always, right? Right. But, and we therapists, we love to talk. Look at us. <laughs> we could just talk and talk and talk and deconstruct and add this and spice it up, salt and pepper. And those poor therapist kids. <laughs> Shut up, mother. Yeah. I am so sick of being aware. <laughs> My kids were sick, like they always are. But... I was just, I kept checking on, are you okay? How are you feeling? And my middle one, he's pretty sassy anyway, but he was like, I'm fine. Stop <laughs> asking me. Okay. <laughs> All right. All yes. Right. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Because this is regulation for us, right? This is not regulation for a kid, which is okay because we matter too. Our regulation matters too. Right? What? What's that now? Um, I was like, did you not hear me? Or are you trying to be sarcastic with me? Yeah, sorry. It's that I, it's a disease really. And, (laughs) but yeah, just incurable. Like it feels so much like we don't matter. Yeah. We don't matter. Our wants don't matter. Our, like literally we are just, what did you call yourself? Not that long ago again, uh, something inside of a human carcass. Yes, I am just a soul inside of a human carcass because this is just, I'm landed in this human body right now. Yeah. And yeah. and I live to serve these tiny humans that I've made. Yeah, because, well, I mean, that's my own developmental trauma too, right? As a little, like, I give, 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 and then, like, at the end of the day, I'm like, who's giving to me? Rage. <laughs> I'm going to rage clean, and everything that's messy is everybody else's fault. And before you know it, my husband wakes up in the middle of the night. He's like, are we selling the house because we're ready for an open house to prepare for others? Like, I mm-hmm. so disconnected. Yeah. To me. We- yeah. 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 If you ever in that rage episode cleaning, I will send you my address. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give it. Give it. <laughs> looking forward to it <laughs> i'll come just be in your house right yep. whatever you're gonna come to my house yeah i'll i won't clean but i'll come i over. will go I'll to your house and clean you go to yeah. my house and fix the yeah. hooligans. sure <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll be in shenanigans with your hooligans yes, yes. great <laughs> Yeah, yes, I, I don't think that. we're technically allowed to barter for services, so we won't <laughs> bill it. Yeah, yeah no, no, but it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Generosity, Great. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's and pro bono. We got to do pro bono. bono. It, it kind of made me think of something, Ira, when you were talking about this. Um, and what is the intent behind, um, like, when there's negative emotion, right? What is our intent? Is our intent to bring it down? Um, and to make it stop um, is our intent. I'll, I'll, like, and I, I like how you said that because it's so difficult as parents to allow your kids just to feel sad and feel angry and feel these negative emotions. We're like, no, don't stop. Like, stop feeling them. And so, so I think you're spot on about that. Like, being able just to give them space to feel and being okay with um, negative emotion. And I find that um, when we're not 
that'd probably be good for us to do individual therapy and kind of work that out for ourselves. Like, why am I, why am I not good? Like with this negative emotion. And then I also see another thing is sometimes as parents, um, we unintentionally put our own emotion on our children. Um, where, um, we felt like that as a child. So then you must feel like that too. Um, so, and, and it kind of, and I see this a lot too. So to be able to work that piece out and to be aware of that is like, Oh wait, you might not feel this way. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of a catalyst of what came up when you were talking about that. I think it was good era. Mm-hmm. That's another good example for me thinking about, but I mean, that's what I do with my clients, with my friends, like they're sharing something my clients always make fun of me that like I live off of their tears because if we get to a place where we're doing like some sort of sequencing or processing and the emotion comes out I'm like yes like this is beautiful this is healing they're like this feels like shit I'm like but that's really good and I sound like a crazy person like so stereotypical therapist-y but Mm -hmm. that's true for kids too like yes this is good let it out this yes. is action completion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh Why God. can I not think that way about my littles, which is my own developmental trauma, right? Like I don't want them to be in pain. And then like I get into fix it mode and it's yeah. the like mama bear. Mm-hmm. Like we are biologically inclined to protect them and to keep them safe and to do all of the things. And so we see them hurting or angry or sad or whatever. And it's like, Oh, no, 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 I'm going to fix this for you. So you don't have to feel that, right? Like, I feel like it stems from even when they're infants, they cry. And we're like, okay, I'm going to start in, I'm going to start trying things, I'm going to start trying to help you because then you don't have to be distressed. And the transition of letting that go a little bit as they get older is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then I'm thinking of like Carolyn in her teens. And I'm like, okay, there's a bigger emotions, bigger consequences as our kids get older. How am I going to regulate my shit when what am I going to do when they come home from middle school and they're like, Oh, Susie Q said I would blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I will fucking go to her house right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes, there's going to be problems that we're not going to be able to solve. And that's terrifying. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're yeah, just regulated. This- Regulate us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the next time your your kid comes, it's like don't tell mom anything, right? Yeah. Mom is erotic. Like she's gonna kill most of our friends. Because now <laughs> friends with Susie Q. So how do I bring this to my mom? Because it's middle school, right? On Monday I'm friends with Susie, but by Friday we're the enemies <laughs> so that won't fly with mom right we gotta protect mom <laughs> from this yeah thank you for pointing that out instead yeah. of rage murder <laughs> I, yeah yeah sounds like you do a lot under rage mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> like a preferred emotion yeah oh i she just said. met you and this is crazy here's my <laughs> rage button so call me maybe you're right um, like I said, I will be calling you for sessions for myself and my familia. Mi familia? <laughs> I'll oh. make sure to pad my office in case you have a rage episode. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you for <laughs> so just make it messy and then she'll because oh my god that's right yeah just put like just keep a vacuum in the corner and like a dust rag and then when she gets upset <laughs> <she'll-> yes <laughs> and I know how to trigger right I'll say your hair is not playing straight enough <laughs> just it's she just wants her office clean <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't think they do a good job there or should we not say that and should I say that they do a good enough job. Because sometimes I see crumbs under the couch, and I don't think they vacuum under the couch. So. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, I did have a thought time. about. Yeah, that is your other. Yes. Crumbs. crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, this was so amazing! Like, I feel like I learned so much, and there's going to be so much that so many people can take from all this information. I am feeling so <laughs> thankful for you guys yeah yeah no it was lovely it was lovely to meet you yeah. it was so good to meet you guys you guys so much thank you thank thanks you. guys bye, bye. bye.